0: hey, um, so my mom has a very distinct voice, okay? Like anybody got that mama where like, you, like she screams in the middle or she just talks regular in a, in a normal setting or in a room like this and you know immediately where your mama is without even seeing her, anybody? Like, like my mama got that voice, like I play ball coming up and I, I, I didn't even have to like see her in the stands because I heard her, right? Like, like when I'm playing and I remember this time of year when I was a kid, um, it, would be, it would take everything to get me in the house because, like, I mean, we actually played outside when I was coming up. Um, no shade to the next, to the next generation. But, um, but we actually went outside and we played, and I would play basketball outside from sunup to sundown. And my parents had one rule. You had better be in the house by the time the streetlights lights Came on, Did anybody grow up in a house where you, like, you had reverence for the streetlights, right? Like, like you could kind of hear them clicking on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you could hear the streetlights starting to kind of buzz a little bit, like the sun had gone down already, like d- dusk is upon us, right? Like, and so, like, you can hear the streetlights starting to kind of fizzle, and like, if you were like me and all my friends, the ball would, like, mysteriously stop bouncing and everybody would make a beeline home, why? Because if you did not make it home, before the street lights came on, you were gonna get whooped. I don't mean little Johnny's gonna get a spanking, I mean you are going to get whooped, right? And if we were late, we would hear my mom's voice from blocks, maybe even miles away. And she would call my brother's name, and she would call my name, and we knew that if we heard her voice call us, man, we were going to be in for it, right? But I, I want you guys to know that, that just like my mom's voice is so distinctive, and your mom's voice is so distinctive to you, God's voice ought to be just as distinctive to us. Um, today, I'm super excited to give you guys, I'm going to give you all four keys to unlocking God's plan. Y'all ready for this? Like, I don't believe you. Are y'all pumped for the word? Like, I'm pumped to preach it. Like, is anybody excited? Look, God desires for us to know his purpose and to know his plan for our lives. And it begins with point number one, be confident in the call. Be confident in the call. Let's go to, um, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, it says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light now listen god has called you out of darkness into his marvelous wonderful light god this series everything about it has everything to do with hearing god call you and when he calls you it's not a mass call it's a very personal and intimate call he has a specific word he has a specific plan for you, But it all starts with you getting called out of darkness and being brought into his wonderful light. So what is darkness? Darkness is anything that hinders you from seeing his plan. Darkness could be a behavior. Darkness could be a person. Darkness could be a relationship. Darkness can be an activity. Um. A lot of darkness happens on thirsty Thursdays, and and when 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 the club is extra turned and lit, like that is that can be a dark place for us. If God is trying to unmask and unveil His plan before our lives, and if we are inebriated, we might just miss it. Maybe, just maybe. But God desires to call us out of darkness into His wonderful, marvelous light this is what darkness does to us when we're in dark situations when we are in a in a a space where we don't know God's plan where we can't hear him or we can't see his plan for our lives here's what happens church we begin to question does God really love me can God really love somebody like me do you know what I did last night like, can God really, like, give me a purpose? Does he really have a plan for my life? Does he know what my friend group looks like? Do you know the activities that we often participate in? How could God possibly love somebody like me? Well, here's the deal. God is, has never been afraid of your sin. He sent his son Jesus to deal with your sin. That was good right there. I'm going to tell y'all and shout out my Twitter handle just in case you want to shout your boy out. It's Brandon Davis TV. I'm going to say it slow. Brandon Davis TV. But listen, I really want y'all to take notes, like really get this. I want y'all, I want this to be ingrained in you that God has a call for your life. He has a plan for your life. And it doesn't involve us being in dark spaces all of our lives. No, he actually wants to bring us into His light, and what does His light do? It illuminates His plan for your life. So we can't expect to know His plan if we're always immersed in darkness. God desires for us to come out of darkness and come into His light. There is a coming out party for the church, and He desires for us to come out of those places where we're not bringing glory or goodness to His name. But He wants us to come into His marvelous wonderful light so that we can see and his plan can be revealed in our lives. Is anybody getting anything by now? So he wants us to come into his light, God's wonderful light, it reveals that he loves us It reveals that he has unending grace for us. It reveals that he has a plan and a purpose and a unique calling for us, for us, for you, for your family, for your kids, for your spouse. He has a plan for our lives. So check this out. God's light shows you who you were created to be and what you were created to do. God's light shows you who you were created to be and what you were created to do. He shows you. His light will reveal these things to you. And his light, his light will reveal to you his perfect plan, his perfect passion for your life. And um, if anybody's been on that journey, on that search of trying to find out and figure out what God's plan is, that what God, what has God really called me to do? Can we get some honest hands? Like, man, I'm really trying to figure that out. Like, like I am clearly like, like missing some things that like, I cannot keep going to this job that's meaningless, like I can't keep spending all of my time, you know, just, just being slave to a, a paycheck, because has anybody ever had these thoughts before? Well, check this out. What did you wanna do before somebody told you that you couldn't do it? I wanna, I wanna spark some questions. I want you to start questioning your life I want you to start questioning what you do with your time because, look, like, like, there's time is the most important thing that we could ever have. Money's not the most important thing, even though it's important. It's not the most important. Time is the most important because once you spend it, you can't get it back. And God wants you to spend every moment of your life doing what he created you to do and being who he created you to be. I'll give you another uh, question here um, about your call. What makes you come alive? What gives you passion? What what makes you say, man, like, if I could spend all my days doing this one thing, this is what it would be. This is what it would be. What are you passionate about? See, your passion is connected to your purpose. Here's a really practical one. What are you good at? What are you good at? What are you good at? Because sometimes when God calls us, the voice of doubt tells us that we can't. But in all actuality, if you embrace doubt, you never will. God is calling you out of doubt into faith so that you can do what he's called you to do. God is, listen, he is a jealous God, and he will have no other God, and your job will not be your God. Why would he he call you out of darkness into into his marvelous light so that you can stay slave to a job that you despise? No, he's got a plan. Somebody say, God has a plan for my life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Listen, I, I, I really want you guys to understand this, that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. God does not, called the qualified but he qualifies the called. You are called by God. It doesn't matter what you've done, all that matters is what Jesus has done for you. You are called and I need you to be confident in this call. So check it out, I wanna look at point number two. That if we're gonna unlock God's plan, number two is you have to fix your focus. This is, like, probably one of my favorite points in my, in my message. Y'all better sit tight because it's about to go down. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Like, it is about to happen. Um, so, look, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. You might as well tell your neighbor, um, excuse me, because I feel like I'm about to get my praise on, and um, I don't want to cause a disturbance, but I might. I'm just warning you. I took a lap around the stage last week because it was so good. And I might do that again this week. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Y'all ready? Some of y'all are sleepy. Like, Daylight Savings was like a couple weeks ago, right? We did that already. Um, need y'all to wake up. All right. Philippians 3, verse 13, it says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Man, I love what Paul is saying. Like look, he is saying that I have learned one thing and this one thing that I learned is to fix my focus on the future and forget what I've experienced in the past. Whether what you experienced in the past was good or if it was terrible. Paul says, I forget everything that is in my past, and I am pressing towards what God has for me in the future. I believe and I know that God has a future and a hope for everybody in this room, and your ladder is greater than your yesterday. God has a plan, and he has a purpose, and it is time for us to forget everything that happened in the past and focus on the promise Like I really want this to sink deep in everybody's understanding because the past hurts. Come on. That thing that happened to you, those people that abandoned you, those people that just clear like just walked out on you. All of the situations, even if you put yourself in a bad situation and you feel like, man, I did that and I got to lay in this bed that I got to lay in it. Now, like I made my bed, now I got to sleep. No, Jesus went to the cross so you could be resurrected. Like Jesus has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And we've got to forget everything that happened in our past so that we can press towards the promise. We've got to fix our focus. We have to fix our focus. And God knows that you're tired. He knows that you're weary. He knows that you're broken. He knows your hardship. He knows your depression. He knows your anxiety. He knows your concern. He knows your guilt. He knows your struggle. He knows every bit of pain that you have ever experienced in your life. And this is why Paul is writing Your future is actually greater than what you've experienced back there. But here's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to be fixated on the past because he's terrified of your future. So he'll always remind you, nah, 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 you can't do that. Remember what you did? you, you You got a calling. God is calling. You got a purpose. Nah, nah, your purpose will always be where you are. This is the voice of the enemy, and he is the father of lies, and the truth is not in him. Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. And when we follow after him, he provides more light. And when we follow after the light, we experience and are exposed to more truth. And when we're exposed to more truth, we get more life. But the enemy wants to keep us in darkness. He wants us to stay fixated on what has happened to us and the pain and the struggle that we've endured. And then he'll want to let us know that, hey, it's always going to be this way for you. But the reality is God has a plan. Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11 says it this way. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Check this out. You can't receive the new until you release the old. You can't receive the new until you release the old. You're not ready for a new bay when you're still holding on the old bay baggage. I'll just break it down into layman's terms for y'all. Like is that, was that good? Like. You can't, you can't, it's impossible. Like, I mean, think about it, if you're, like, a lot of times we, we grip, we grip the past, like, we, we, we're so mad and so upset about the past and about our current situation, and we grip, like, we're gripping, like, we, we just can't let it go. Well, how is God ever going to bestow upon you if you can't let go what you don't want? You've got to let it go. If Jesus has forgiven you, why haven't you forgiven yourself? God desires to give you a future and a hope. Like he actually wants you to be hopeful. I feel like, I feel like this, you know, our, our generation, we just kind of like say, man, I don't want to get my hopes up. Am I talking to anybody yet? I don't want to get my hopes up. And maybe it came from a dad that, that made a lot of promises and never came through. Maybe we were like, man, like, my dad said he was going to come, and we got our, our hearts up, and we are excited. And we're like, man, like, man, I cannot wait. Man, my dad said we're going to go shoot ball. And, and like, he's, he's like, man, I'm going to be there at 1 o'clock. I'm going to be there at 2 o'clock. And, like, you're sitting there by the door waiting on dad to show up. And it's 1230, and it's like, hey, man, like, man, my dad coming. 1245, man, it's, man, what time is it, man? Uh, it's, okay, 12.45, and your mom in the kitchen because she know that he's not going to show, but you got your hopes up. Twelve o'clock rolls around, one o'clock rolls around, two o'clock rolls around, and it's like, man, is he still going to come? And a lot of times we view God like we viewed our earthly father, but he, in all actuality, God is the father that you wish you would have had on earth. Your heavenly father is a father that you wish you had on earth, like that is who he is. He gives us the spirit of adoption, whereby we can cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. Like he actually is going to come through. Whatever he says, he is going to do it. And he gives us a future and he gives us a hope that we could actually have a hopeful outcome. So it's time to forget the past and focus on the promise that if we're gonna obtain God's plan, we have to fix our focus. God has a plan, he has a purpose for your marriage, he has a purpose for your career, he has a purpose for your finances, he has a purpose for every area in your life, but they're all ahead of you. They're not back here, it's ahead of you. It's ahead of you, you have to forget yesterday. Um, I'm a sports guy, so in sports, every coach that I've had has always said one thing, you have to have a short-term memory. That if you had a turnover your last play, you can't approach the new play with that still in your mind. That if I fumbled the last play that I had, or if I, if, if I, I passed the ball in basketball and, and, and it was overturned, I cannot think twice about making a decision based upon my previous mistake. Because I will be debilitated. I won't make the play. I'll hesitate. But I feel like we're a bunch of Christians that hesitate. That I won't take my shot because of what happened in the past. That I won't step out in faith because of what happened in the past. But God is saying, look, man, like, we got to forget all that stuff. Paul is like, nah, we have to forget our past, and we have to focus on the promise. What lies ahead of you is greater than what's behind you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says it this way. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. That'll preach. Fix your thoughts. I'm going to say it again. Fix your thoughts. Man, because we have some thoughts that come into our head and they're twisted. That we don't be thinking straight, we don't think about ourselves the right way, we don't think about God the right way, we don't think about other people the right way, and Paul just lays it out, and he's getting in our face, and he's like, hey, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. I love this because, look, God never tells us to do something that we can't do. Let that sink in. Fix your thoughts. And we're also a generation that's highly anxious. We're also a generation that's highly depressed. We're also a generation that has so many consuming thoughts about life that it overwhelms us. But God is telling you, hey, look, check it out. I actually gave you authority and power. Fix your thoughts. Here's how. Y'all want to know how? Here's how. He says, he goes on and he says, fix your thoughts on what is true man, and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So look, as human beings, we all, all of us, like I believe that we all, like our minds just naturally gravitate to the negative, am I right? It could be a hundred things going right, but then that one thing, that one, that one area that's just like, ah, oh, oh my, ah. Oh. We got 99 other things that are going amazing in our lives, but that one area like, oh my God, would you, man, really? This really, this one, God, oh. this one thing in my life, if I could just change it, what if God... Keeps the one thing present in your life because that's the only thing that leads you to his presence. You see, like we like, look, like, like, like we want God to take away every problem, don't we? We are in a jack in a box faith. I'm gonna keep cranking God, and, and when I keep cranking, you had better answer this prayer. And it, and we just, like, and like, it's like, all right, the song did loop, like, three times. Where you at, God? And he's like, I'm chilling. But if, if, if our problem is the only thing that leads us to the presence, why would he ever take away the problem? Bars almost dropped the mic right there. If, if, if our problem is the only thing that leads us to, to prayer time, why would he ever take away the problem? Like, we have to be a church, we have to be a generation that says, you know what? Like, my satisfaction is in you, not you fixing my life, not you fixing every problem or issue that I have in my life. Newsflash, we are in a broken world with a lot of messed up things happening in this world. But God promises to give us peace that will cause us to overcome. He doesn't promise to take away every issue that we have. So he's saying, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. What does that mean in a practical sense? Stop thinking about the one thing and think about the 99 things that are going well. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts about your health. Like, like man, like, I, could, I should have been dead a long time ago. Like, like that car accident should have like, taken me out. But God, thank you. Instead of thinking about, man, like, what, 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 about, what about this bill that's, that's due? Or what about this person on my job? Or what about this? And, like, it consumes our whole life. The one thing, the one issue consumes our whole way of thinking. And, and, and Paul is like, yo, bro, fix your thoughts. So if you, and we know that, like, when our, our, our minds start going tilt, y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, like, we start thinking about all our issues and what's not going right. Paul is like, right there, hey, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Uh, Fix uh, uh. Fix it. Fix your thoughts. I want y'all to to hear that snap in the middle of the night when y'all wake up stressed out. Uh, 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 uh. Fix your thoughts. Fix it. Fix your thoughts. So check it out. If negativity... Tries If negative thinking tries to overwhelm you, fix your thoughts. So, like, look, we got to take our minds off of autopilot. Where we just let any thought that comes into our minds overtake us. Nah, like, uh-uh. This is, look, w- when Paul says fix, that means that we need to be intentional with changing the way that we think. We all have these, like, mental, like, patterns of thinking. Where we're used to, like, when something happens, we mentally go to a place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We mentally kind of, like, go to a pattern of thinking where it's like, if this one thing happens, man, I already know, like, it's going to be a decline in my thinking. Listen, you will have your thoughts. You will become your thoughts. I Like, I want that to sink in so deep. You will become your thoughts. You will receive what you believe. That's another good one. Like you will receive, you will actually receive the outcome that you believe you'll have. You will receive the outcome that you think you will have. That's the power of your thoughts. And that's why Paul is so, so dogmatic about this point. He's like, hey, fix your thoughts because why? Like the outcome of your life will be determined what happens in between your ears it's all up here. And Paul is like, look, you can control your thoughts. You can control your thoughts. Whatever enters into your mind, listen, you don't have to like keep it there. You don't have to keep those thoughts there. What Paul is saying like, don't focus on the things that aren't right. Focus on the things that are right. Focus on focus on you got a good spouse at home. Focus on your spouse. Man, you got, you got kids, like focus on your kids. And can I be transparent with y'all? And I, I hope my wife will be okay with me sharing this. Look, like, we've tried to like have another kid, like for a long time. But Briley's our only child. She's five years old, and everybody come, um, ain't she about ready? I'm like, ain't you need to get out of my face right now? <laughs> right? But, like, this is the real of life, and I think the lesson in it is, can you be content with what you have? And my daughter is amazing. I could not have dreamed up a better daughter for me and my wife. She is awesome. She is the life of the party. If she was in here right now, no doubt about it, none of y'all would be able to stop her. She'd be standing right here next to me. I got something to say. That's how my daughter is. And I love her. And so the thing is this, I need to fix my thoughts on what I, from what I don't have to what I actually have. And the thing is, if we would shift our thinking from what we don't have to what we have, we'd be a happier people. You see, like our culture is, is so driven by, by saying, your life won't be complete until you get the next, until you get the new car, it's like, man, like, I just got this car and the, the model changed? Really? Like, but our culture is built on us and, and our society is built in saying, like, listen, check it out. Like, you will not be content or satisfied until you have the next thing. But the only problem is when you get the next thing, the next thing comes out. And we're in a culture of just wanting, wanting, needing. And Paul is like, fix your thoughts. Because All of your wants and all of your cravings and all of your desires, it's all a setup to get you anxious, to get you feeling discontent. But Paul is doing a masterful job telling us to fix our thoughts. Verse 11, it says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I wanna I brought a Greek word with me, y'all. Y'all ready for the Greek word? Here we go, right? I told y'all, like I'm working on my 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 master's in 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 Greek. I don't know if that's even a thing. Um but so the 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 word content is the Greek word artarches. Sound good, right? Artarkes. Sounds even better. I did a little tharkes, right? Like antharkis, right? Is it spelling up there? Are y'all good. Stop judging me. Listen, just write it down. Um, so look, this is what this word means. It means to be sufficient, independent of external circumstances. Man, I hope y'all get in the weight of this word. Content. It actually means. It means to to. It means to to be to be sufficient. To be sufficient. Independent from external circumstances. This means that if my situation doesn't change, I'm still sufficient because I have Jesus. That's heavy. That even if my situation does not change, look, my faith says that we'll conceive a kid. My faith says that we'll be able to bring in a baby boy that I'll be able to play basketball with. I'll be able to coach. I'll be able to do all of the things that my heart desires to do. My faith says, yes, but until then, I'm content, and me and Briley just going to have to play basketball and wrestle. (laughs) Right? Like, we have to be content with what we have, even if our situation doesn't change, even if our circumstance doesn't change. Now, I'll tell you this. You have so many people that say, oh, I'm done with God based on the condition of your life. Well, listen, God is not like we were created for God, and God wasn't created for us. We were created by God and for God like we covered last week. And, like, that is real heavy, deep, where your roots in your faith can actually, like, take deep roots if we really believe that, like, Man, God is good regardless of how good my life is. So Paul is saying we've got to be content. We have to be a content people. And so look, check this out. Verse 12, it says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Man, that doesn't sound like America at all. It says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Listen, the secret is fixing your focus to be satisfied with what you already have. I'm going to get out to you all again. Here's the secret. Paul says he learned the secret of how to live regardless of his situation. Paul says this. The secret is fixing your focus to be satisfied with what you already have. And God's plan for your life is for you to be content with him. He wants you to be content with him. And so, like, I'm going to quote everybody's favorite scripture right here. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things. Come on. Through Christ, who strengthens me. Well, well, let's back it up. What was Paul actually saying? I know how to be poor because I have Jesus. I know how to have, I know how to be rich and still be satisfied with Jesus because uh, let's, let's swing the pendulum the other way. Because there's a lot of people out here on Sunday mornings right now that profess Jesus, but they out on their yacht right now. But Paul is saying this I have learned how to be satisfied with God no matter what my outcome is, and I have the strength to live in whatever condition that I have. So, whether you get the promotion or you don't, I'm still satisfied because I have Jesus. That whether my baby daddy acting right or not, I am still satisfied because I have Jesus. That'll preach. That'll preach. Like I am still satisfied because I have Jesus. And so look, you can't enjoy the promise unless you press towards the past or press past the past. Like you cannot be. So I want to go to my, my my third point. My third point is this press towards the plan. Press towards the plan. I want to go back to chapter 3, verse 13. I mean, verse 14, it says, this is Paul writing and it says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So I I, got to paint the picture here. So Paul writes Philippians, the, the book of Philippians, he's writing this letter to a church in Philippi, right? And as he's writing this letter, Paul is actually in prison, chained, because of his faith. So I want to let somebody know about this too, like because just because your life, like just because things are happening wrong in your life, sometimes things happen wrong in your life because you're doing right. Paul's purpose was to help churches. Paul's purpose was to plant churches. His purpose was to encourage the church, but in order for him to encourage the church, he had to press and write on this page while his hand is chained. So he had to press through pain in order to do his purpose. Did y'all get that? He had to press through pain in order to do per- his purpose. And like, I'm gonna let y'all know that like, you will not be able to enjoy the promise unless you en- endure the pain. You won't enjoy the promise unless you endure the pain. And Paul was going through such a painful time but this was the most encouraging letter that he has ever written. Could it be that your joy is giving somebody else the encouragement? Paul was writing this letter in spite of his pain. He had to physically press in order to endure enough to, to walk out his purpose. And point number four is this, because look, we all have to press. We all have to press We all have painful things in our lives. We all have things that we don't want to do, but we've got a call that is in Christ Jesus that is higher than the pain that we're experiencing, and He desires for us to press in order to get it. You have to press in order to obtain the prize. We've got to press, but here's the deal you can't press alone. So, point number four is that He calls us to community, He calls us to community. So Galatians chapter two, I mean, ver, I mean, chapter six, verse two, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So the word burdens is the Greek word barous, and it actually means heaviness. It means weight. It means burden, and it means trouble. And I know by the spirit of God that the mass majority of us in here are carrying burdens, carrying heaviness and weight. But you cannot carry it alone. You need a community of believers around you that will be able to help you carry and endure the weight. We need each other. This is why it's so important for us to regularly attend the church that we belong to. Because God is going to have a word for you there, but God is also also going to have people around you that will help you carry the load. Am I right? Like, how many times, like, here's the trick of the enemy for you to think and have thoughts like this, like, nobody will ever understand what I'm going through, so I don't tell people. Or somebody have let me down in the past, so I can't let anybody in. But God is saying this, it is impossible for you to press towards your purpose alone. Yeah, we need God, but we need each other. And we would love for you to find community here at Vive City Church so that we can not just give you a word on Sunday, but walk with you on Monday. To check up on you on Tuesday. To have small group, to have fellowship, to have community together on Wednesday at toasted coffee at 7 p.m. Shameless plug. Why? Listen, we have got to be a church that centers on community because there is a real enemy out there that desires you all to not make it and to not, not embrace and fulfill what God has called you to do. But we're better together. We are so much better together. And um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says it this way. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. No shade. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Men, we need other men in our lives that will keep us accountable. It's quiet as a church mouse on that point, but it's okay. I'm going to keep preaching anyway. Ladies, like you need other ladies around you to encourage you to love your husband as you should. Even more quiet, but it's okay. We need a community of people around us that will help us in our walk with Jesus. And I love the point that it says don't forsake coming to church. Listen, listen. Bedside Baptist is not a church. It's not like a real thing. Like you just listening to Stephen Furtick, or you listening to like like TD Jakes. Praise God for TD Jakes. I wish I could, but I can't. That man is amazing. Like we can't just like go to church online and think that we're fulfilling what God has for our lives. You can get good points, but you can't walk those points out by yourself. You need a community. You need a church to belong to, a place where you can be loved, a place where you'll belong, and a place that you will matter and find your purpose and discover it. So we were never meant to do this alone. And here's the deal. This community of believers here will help you be confident in your call. This community of believers here will help you to fix your focus. And the community here will help you with everything in us, we'll help you to press towards God's plan for your life. We need each other. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes for me. God has called you. The first call that He has for us is that He calls us to Himself. He calls us out of darkness. He calls us out of all of our dark behaviors. He calls us out of all of our our dark things that he's not satisfied with. He calls us out of those things. And if we're honest, those dark areas in our lives, they just leave us depressed. They just leave us broken. They just leave us wondering about ourselves and how could you do this and makes us feel all kind of guilt and shame. Well, God calls us out of guilt. He calls us out of shame. And he calls us by our name. And I believe that God is calling you by your name right here right now and he is calling you to press towards a high call that Jesus has for you and Jesus is calling you to a loving relationship with him and he's saying listen I love you I've always loved you I died on the cross for you I shed my blood for you why so that your sins can be forever forgiving and you can walk out the purpose that I have for your life